Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. to the book of Exodus chapter number 6, Exodus chapter number 6, and I want to read the first eight verses of scripture there. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his, his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. I appeared unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name, Jehovah, was I not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it you for a heritage. I am the Lord. I want you to notice in this passage two different times here the words are used that I am going to bring you out from under the burdens, the burdens of Egypt. And I would like to relate that this morning. I want to to simply preach this. Hope for heavy hearts. Hope for heavy hearts. I believe the Lord is a burden lifter. I believe the Lord is able to strengthen. I believe that he's able to help people to overcome the burdens of life. Wouldn't it be a miserable thing to have to endure life and go through life and not have the Lord to help you? We know that he said in his word that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. We also understand what that really means is is that uh, though we have to endure some burdens in life, that he is bearing them along with us. In other words, he is our yoke fellow. He is along beside us. Nothing that we face, nothing that we go through do we go through on our own. But if we're walking with the Lord, he's with us. He said he would never leave us nor forsake us. We all understand and have times in our lives when 
when people that we counted on, well, they forsook us. They didn't stand beside us. And we found ourselves disappointed by that. But I'm so thankful that I can say in the 40-plus years that I've been living for God and my family has been in the church that I have never been disappointed by God. I've never found Him to forsake me no matter how deep of trouble that I found myself in or how heavy the burden was. He was always there to strengthen us. But you know in this particular passage it reminds me of something we like to say, and that is, you know, I'm just having one of those days. How many has ever experienced one of those days? I mean, it's like the fellow whose parachute didn't open. The race that was started, but your gate didn't unlock. It seems that you can't keep your head above water. It's just one of those days. You can't find anything. You can't find your billfold. When you do find it, it doesn't have any money in it. You can't find your car keys, and when you do find them, the car won't start. You just can't seem to get it together. The kids are crying. The dog won't stop barking. The neighbors are playing their music too loud. And everything and everybody is getting on your nerves. It's just one of those days. And that is exactly the place that the people of Israel found themselves in, in our text. Over 400 years they have been in Egypt. They came there as honored guests of Egyptian of the Egyptian Pharaoh, who had favored Joseph and made him governor over all the land of Egypt. But now there is a Pharaoh that has rose to power, that does not know Joseph, nor does he know Joseph's God. Now for hundreds of years they have been in arduous slavery under the heavy hand of a brutal dictator and forced to serve relentless taskmasters. There has been long hot days and sleepless nights, a sense of hopelessness and heartache, Not only physical pain, but emotional pain. Because after years of laboring as they did and serving, they had really nothing to show for it. Here they had known for years by their patriarchs and by the telling of those experiences that the patriarchs had experienced, that they were the people of God. These were God's chosen people, but at this point in their lives, they felt like they were anything but chosen. Their hearts were heavy. But God, in this particular period, allows a baby to be born. And they will call him Moses, which in the Hebrew means drawn out. He was born in the most intense period of Israel's bondage in Egypt and at a time when Pharaoh had decreed that all Hebrew boys be thrown, drowned in the river Nile. And when Moses was born, it was apparent by all that witnessed it that the hand of God was upon him. So rather than drown him in the Nile, his mother fashioned a basket out of bulrushes 
And she pitched it on the inside to seal it from the elements coming in. And she placed it on the waters of the Nile. And God arranged, isn't it something as we notice throughout the scripture and maybe even have witnessed it in our own lives, the divine timing involved in walking with God and serving God. How God in His divine appointments works. We have divine moments in our lives where God intervenes. God arranges for Pharaoh's daughter to come to this exact location of all the places that she could have gone. She comes to this exact location to bathe. And at precisely the right moment, the scripture tells us that the baby, Moses, begins to cry. And she has compassion upon the child. Oh, she knows what has been decreed. She knows the laws of the land. But nevertheless, she has compassion. And Miriam, who happens to be witnessing all of this and watching on, she comes and asks Pharaoh's daughter. She said, it, would it be all right if I would go and get one of the Hebrew mothers to come and to nurture this child and be able to help you in raising him. How miraculous it was that Moses' own mother was chosen to be the one that would come and nurse him as a babe. She was able to cradle him in her arms and raise him up and speak to him personally. As he began to grow in Pharaoh's palace, he was educated in Egyptian schools. He enjoys all of the luxuries of Egypt, one of the richest empires of the then known world. But he cannot escape the voice of his mother who told him often as he was just a baby, hardly able to understand anything. But she would tell him over and over again, you may live among them, but you're not one of them. You've been born for a purpose. There is a reason, and the hand of God is upon your life, Moses. Never forget that you're not an Egyptian. Oh, you may live in Egypt. You may eat Egyptian food. You may live in an Egyptian house. You may learn to speak the Egyptian language. But one thing you must always remember is that you are not an Egyptian. The blood that flows through your veins is Hebrew blood. The God that spared you and gave you the opportunity to live has His hand upon you and someday you're going to have to give back to God what God has given to you. He gave you life and you're going to have to dedicate that life unto God at some point. I thought about this story many times. I've thought about us as people of God, people that have been born again, that God has delivered from sin, that God has given such a wonderful opportunity to, to worship and to serve Him, to live for Him, to be able to know Him as we do and have a revelation of who He really is. And I'm so thankful for the truths that have been revealed to me through God's Word. I'm so thankful that I've been baptized in Jesus' name. 
for the remission of my sins. Sin's grip, sin's hold has been alleviated from our lives because of that. I'm so thankful that we have the power of the Holy Ghost on the inside so that we don't have to succumb to sin any longer, but we have the power to live above the temptation of sin through the power of His Spirit. We have all of these things, and we enjoy this great experience, and I can't help but think as Mother of Moses is telling him over and over again, don't forget who you are. Don't forget your identity. You may live in Egypt. You may live with these people, but you're not one of them. You're a child of God. I think it's important in this world that is very confused at this time where chaos abounds and where there's a lot of things that are being hurled around and a lot of folks are pontificating about different ideas and different opinions about what's going on in this world. We must remember that we're sojourners in this earth. We must remember that we're only pilgrims. We're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. We're looking for the new Jerusalem. We're looking to go home to be with Jesus someday. And that's what we live our lives for. We're not Egyptians. God was preparing him. But Moses, like a lot of us, got ahead of God, got ahead of God's plan for his life. He sees a fellow Hebrew being abused by a taskmaster. And he takes matters in his own hands and delivers that Hebrew out of the hand of the taskmaster. And he slews the Egyptian. He slays the Egyptian. And he buries he buries him in the sand, thinking that no one would witness the situation. But a few days later, some Hebrews are having a dispute, and Moses tries to intervene. And they say to him, will you slay us as you did the Egyptian? And so he knows that this thing is known in all the land. He realizes that this thing is going to be told to Pharaoh himself sooner or later. So he finally uh, decides to go into the desert. He suddenly finds himself a fugitive. And he ends up on the back side of the desert, the Bible says. And while there, God finally has Moses right where he wants him, where he can speak to him. And while there... Uh, the Lord begins to deal with him in special ways. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, it may seem that the place that you're at presently is uncomfortable and that you'll never get out of it. But can I tell you that a lot of times God does not have us in those places to destroy us, but He has us in those places to develop us. He has us in those places so that He can speak to us. He has us in a place where we'll listen to Him. He has us there to make us stronger and better for Him. Sometimes it takes a wilderness for us to surrender to the will of God for our lives. Only when we've been in a dry place can we fully appreciate the refreshing of God's Spirit. Only when we've been broken can we fully appreciate the power of His resurrection. Can we appreciate the power of His restoration in our lives? Only when we've been hurt can we fully appreciate 
his hands of healing. Sometimes it is only in the dark place that we can really see the design that God has for our lives. So in the wilderness, Moses sees a miraculous sight. He sees a bush that is on fire. But when he sees this bush burning, he noticed something. He noticed that it's not consumed. In other words, it doesn't burn until it burns itself out, but it continues to burn. It continues to be illuminated. And so he draws near out of curiosity, and God speaks to him at this moment and tells him that he has heard the cries of his people. And I have come to deliver them. And God says, I need you to go to Pharaoh. And I need you to be my anointed spokesman. And I need you to tell him to let my people go. Initially, Moses tries to excuse himself from this task because he feels so inadequate. He says, I am I'm slow of speech. And he gives this excuse, but this really doesn't seem to square with Acts chapter 7 and verse 22 that says, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. So he has not always been incompetent. He has not always felt like he was not worthy. He's not always found himself in a place where he felt like he couldn't speak for God. But now, because of everything that he's been through, and because his heart is so heavy, and now he's a fugitive on the backside of a desert, and it's been a long time since he's had any real contact with God, he wonders if he's up for the task. I'm going to tell you, trials, if you're not careful, they can, they can do something to a person's confidence. They can destroy, if you allow it, they can destroy a person's faith in what God can do in their life. I'm going to tell you, you might be in a trial right now, but don't let that trial destroy your faith in what God is able to do through you. Don't ever allow the circumstances that you're in right now to keep you down Amen. But you've got to rise up again and realize that God has anointed you for a specific purpose. There is a reason and a purpose that He has for your life. And God is going to anoint and God is going to use you. So finally Moses relents. He says this. He said, well, if, if I do go, if I go, the people are going to want to know who you are. And they're going to want to know what your name is. And God quickly replies to him. And he says, tell them. And I notice these words, sometimes when we read them, we don't realize the full impact of them or what they were meant to mean to Moses. He said, tell them that I am that I am sent you. In other words, whatever you need, I am. Whenever you're in trouble, I am. When you're confused, I am. When you're tired, I am. When you're bewildered, I am. And he said in our text that I read to you 
this morning, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew me as God Almighty. But they never knew me as Jehovah. What does this mean? Because we know when we read of Abraham's experience on Mount Moriah, when he looked up, when he was in the process of sacrificing his own son Isaac unto the Lord, he looks up and sees the ram who is caught in the thicket. And then the Lord speaks to him. And we know the interpretation of what is said there is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. How is it that Abraham then did not know him as the same as what God wanted to reveal himself to these people, the Israelites? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew me as God Almighty, but they never knew me as Jehovah. You see, Abraham knew one aspect of Jehovah. He knew one portion of Jehovah. He knew him as a provider, but when you speak the name Jehovah, it's all encompassing. You understand Jehovah covers all the attributes of God, all the attributes of God Almighty is revealed in Jehovah. Jehovah Jireh, God is my provider, but it doesn't stop there. Jehovah Sikkanu, God is my righteousness. Jehovah Nisi, God is my banner. Jehovah Shalom, God is my peace. Jehovah Makadish, God is my sanctifier. Jehovah Rohi, God is my shepherd. Jehovah Shammah, God is my abiding presence. Amen. In other words, whatever you need, that is what he will become in your life. No matter what the situation is, and the situations of our life, they change from day to day. When we live life, what we needed 10 years ago is different from what we need today. What we needed last month is different from what we needed today. What we needed before this pandemic started is different from what we need today. But we serve Jehovah. We serve Jehovah. He's got everything that we need. If it's provision, He's got it. He's Jehovah Jireh. If it's righteousness, He's got it. He's Jehovah Sitkanu. If we need Him to lift us up, amen, and defend us and strengthen us. He is like a mighty army with banners. Amen. He's Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Shalom. If we need peace during this time, we can understand and know that God is our source of peace. He is our source of calm. Amen. If we need someone to sanctify us from sin, we know Him to be Jehovah Mekadish. Amen. If we need Him to be a shepherd to lead us to green pastures we know that he is Jehovah Rohi if we need him to abide with us we know that he is Jehovah Shammah he's everything that we need him to be and my brothers and sisters whatever the situation is that you encounter he is whatever you need he is the sufficient supply he is Jehovah God Somebody says, Jehovah sounds good for Moses to call on. But how does that relate to the Jesus that I serve? I'm glad you ask. Because in Colossians 2 and 9, 
It said, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him. You shouldn't have just a textbook knowledge of God. You shouldn't just rely on someone else's experience with God. You need your own experience. One of the things that I've tried to attach to this church over the years is that we are more than just a church, but we we believe in an experience with God that can change your life. Because when someone has their own experience, they know, they know, I may be sick, but he's my healer. When you have your own experience, I may be broke, but he's my provider. I am hurting, but he is my comfort. I need answers. He is my counselor. I may be down, but as the psalmist said, he's the lifter of my head. I am so thankful to have that experience with God through the power of the Holy Ghost. The Bible said we're complete in him. Sort of like, if you would, in your mind's eye, picture a puzzle. Seems like a lot of folks during this time of quarantine has been breaking out the puzzles. And, and I've seen folks that have had them laid out on tables, maybe a thousand-piece puzzle. One of the most, I guess, difficult things to deal with when working a puzzle is to spend all of those time, all of the time and all of the effort, maybe even hours, working, getting that all put together get down to the end and realize that there's one piece that is missing. My little granddaughter had a puzzle. She was working it. She put it all together. And when it was all together, we noticed that there was one piece that remained that needed to be placed there in its particular spot, but we couldn't find it. I'm thankful to report to you that if your life feels that way, that maybe you've put it all together, you got all of this ordered right, but there's just something that's nagging on you. There's something that you remain in search for, for this picture to be complete, for this puzzle to be complete that we call life. There's one thing that is in the center of it. And if you don't have that, it'll never really seem complete. You'll never fully be satisfied. And that is that you need the Spirit of Almighty God on the inside. The Holy Ghost is a promise. He said this promise is unto you and to your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The Holy Ghost is something that you can experience that keeps you. Keeps you through days like we've been experiencing. It keeps you with a sound mind while everybody else is losing theirs. It keeps you with a certainty that you know what? God is in control because God rules my life and I have Him and have experienced Him through the power of His Spirit. If we was to fast forward from our text to Exodus chapter number 12 and verse 22 as our musicians come, you will note that Exodus 12 
is at the very end of the plagues that has came upon Egypt. One by one, ten of them bombarded Egypt. But with each of them, though Pharaoh would relent until the plague was lifted, and as soon as the plague was lifted, the Bible says that his heart would be hardened and he would refuse to let the people of God go. And God speaks to Moses and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with this once and for all. And when I deliver the people of God, not only is he going to let you go, but he's going to drive you out when I get through. And he said, what I'd like for everybody in Israel to do, I want you to instruct them. I want you to take a lamb for every family. And I want you to take that lamb and prepare it. And the blood of that lamb I want you to put on the doorpost of your house and on the lintel. And every family go inside the house and none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. And when morning comes, you're going to be free. The plague's going to be over. There's going to be a deliverance in the land. Can I tell somebody here that it's just about morning time? I know it's probably a poor parallel here, but we've kind of been cooped up in our houses for the most part. But I think the sun is fixing to rise and God is fixing to work for His people in a miracle just like He did many thousands of years ago in the land of Egypt. And when morning comes, can you imagine when they awoke that morning and opened the door of their house and looked in the eastern skies at the sun that was shining so bright. Can you imagine for the first time they felt liberty? For the first time they felt what true freedom was. For the first time they realized that we're with the opportunity to worship God. We have the opportunity to praise the Lord. Nobody looking over our shoulder, but we have liberty like we've never enjoyed before. I'm going to tell somebody, morning can come to your life also. The sun can rise in your life also. The blood can be applied to your life also. You too can make your way as they did through the sea, which is a type of baptism in Jesus' name. You too can be led by a cloud. God wants you to enjoy the promise. Amen. It's all, it's all in His Word, folks. God has it all there for us. I want you to be mindful of our service today at 2 o'clock. I want to remind everybody that is connected today, if you have a need, we're so happy to help you pray. We're here to give you godly counsel and guidance if you so desire it.